everybody welcome to the garf network i'm eric and i'm matt and tonight we continue our camelot forever celebration with part three of our night riders uh, 40th anniversary and uh tonight we have mr ed harris and mr donald rubenstein on to celebrate with us but before we get into that uh we we need to mention that these shows are brought to you free of charge from the george a romero foundation and if you are interested in making a donation, uh, there's two ways you can do that. So the first way to make a donation is head over to our newly revamped website, georgearomerofoundation.org. Uh, new content is being added uh, as we rebuild the website and make it more robust and make it the go-to stop for all the foundation news, notes, and items about George's career. We also have another way to donate, and which is our Patreon, patreon.com slash thegarfofficial helps us keep the lights on and helps keeping you great programming and projects coming up here in the near future. Absolutely. And we have uh, some more details about some upcoming Knight Riders merchandise uh, that we will get into at the tail end of the program. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our honored guests this evening. So go so, ahead, Matt. So first up, we have King Billy himself, Mr. Ed Harris. Ed, hello, sir. Hey, nice hey. to be here. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Night Riders at 40, man. Here we are. But we have a very special guest and a good friend of yours, Mr. Donald Rubenstein, is also here. Donald. Thank you. Hey, guys. Hey, Ed. Hey, How you guys doing? Good. Good. Thank you. So really here we good. are, Night Riders at 40. Yep. Who would have who thought? Uh, motorcycle Renaissance movie directed by George. It's 40, and trust me when I say this, the fans have discovered this film in the last decade to 15 years and have really taken to it, and that's why we wanted to celebrate all month long with Night Riders. It is a, a very close and dear project of George's that has stuck through the years, and when fans have discovered it, they, they can see the heart that George had put into it and the story and the message. And we are very honored to have you guys come here at the culmination of this this month long celebration. Thank you. Thank you so much. You. Yeah, it was it was a pretty special time, I gotta say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's let's start out talking about how uh, you you first heard about or got involved with Night Riders. I know that Ed, you you had done a couple of projects. Uh, I think it was Coma and Borderline. Uh, how how did you first hear about Night Riders? Well, the fellow that cast me, the casting director was Tom Kibbe, who was a good buddy with Chris Romero. And he had cast me in Borderline. I think he'd seen me do some theater in LA. So he brought me in to meet George. And uh, I remember, I don't remember where we were, but I remember walking up these steps and then, there's, you know, and then George was just, you know, up there, this big bear of a guy. And we talked and, you know, it was cool. And I had read the script and was excited. I was always a big Camelot fan, you know. From long ago, so uh, I was excited. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. Had you been aware of George and his career before coming in well, for the casting? Yeah, certainly not of the Living Dead. You know, I wasn't so familiar with Martin. I watched it before we did the film. You know, uh, but I wasn't. That was it. You know. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
And, and Donald, you'd uh, you'd worked the last couple of projects with George, um, and you were tapped to do the the score for. Actually, you weren't originally tapped to do the score for Night Riders. You were brought on as an actor. But uh, tell tell us a little bit about how uh, how the how the script hit you when you first read it. And well, I'll let you take over. I apologize. No, no problem. If you could tell the story, I would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, George originally wanted Rick Wakeman to do the score, the score. and um, George and I are on good terms. He just thought Rick was uh, great for it. I personally just felt very, um, I read the script and felt totally in tune with it. That's what happened. I think it's about one of the few times I've ever lobbied for a film. Um, George uh, had given me uh, that part, but... Um, I just, everything in my life was pointing towards it. I was very involved. I just did a concert, which included both contemporary music of mine and Renaissance music with some guys from the Boston Symphony. And um, so I was very in tune with the music. Yeah, I felt very drawn to it. So I, I just really, um, I told George that I really should do it. And um, in the end, uh, I don't remember what happened to Rick, but I was fortunate enough to get to do the score. It, what was it specifically that, that spoke to you about it that just you know, where you had to, you know, to write the music? Well, first of all, that the Renaissance music is just something I really, I really like. It was at the basis of some of my composition. Um, even some things I wrote in, in Martin, there's a, a line behind the main theme that's really based on contrapuntal devices from the Renaissance. And I just love that music. There's a, in the Renaissance, you have guitar, people playing lute and singing very much in the same you know, manner you hear singer-songwriters today. So there, and of course, I'm sure, I don't remember, but I'm sure I responded to the whole, uh, the whole of the idea just as well. You know, the idea of it being a fight against the man, so to speak, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an attempt to emblazon oneself with a glory of the highest sort, you know, sort of steeped in a, 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 a philosophy that I could relate to, so yeah. I said yes. <laughs> After he said no, and then he said yes again. So we're there. <laughs> That's such a great score, too, man. Just perfect, you know. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I was very lucky to have George. Thanks, Eddie. I was very lucky to have George on because he was so open. And once again, I was, you know, drawing from drawing from um, both traditional and more avant-garde thoughts and, and music. So, and he was just all for it. And, and Ed, what was it? You you made a comment there. You always liked Camelot. So what was, what was, what drew you to it? Was it Camelot, or was it Camelot with motorcycles, or the the well, approach of King Billy? My dad, I think, was he was kind of a big fan of the whole Arthurian legend thing. I remember uh, watching Future King. You know, he, I think he gave that to me on birthday. Something great book, and I've actually played our King Arthur. Uh, in Oklahoma City, uh, in Camelot, like in 1973 or something, and it was a great experience for me. It was like one of the things that I hadn't only been acting for a couple of years, and I that that particular production, um, had some incredible things happened during that time and i realized this is what i had to do for the rest of my life so it was very very close to my heart and very the whole idea of the nobility of it and 
you know, uh, live up to your ability, your best nature and your, you know, I mean, it's just all about positive stuff. And, and uh, so I was all, I was gung ho. I was already, and the motorcycle thing, it's just like, okay, it's a little bizarre, but so what? I mean, it'd be cool. You know, <laughs> guy's a good filmmaker. I don't know how it's going to work, but let's give it a shot. I wasn't a big motorcycle guy, but I, you know, I had written a little bit and then they gave me this big old Honda to ride around. So I figured it out. Nice. Um, the question for both of you, can you talk about the actual, the casting process, landing the role? I just remember uh, where they said, yeah, George would like to work with you. And I said, great. I don't remember exactly any details about it. Mm-hmm. Personally. And Donald, how did how you answer, but I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how did you land the, the role as the, the troubadour? Well, I think I, already, I said that. I think George, yep. George felt badly about me not scoring the film originally. And okay. He gave me this part as a troubadour, but it wasn't a speaking part, but it was, it ended up being great because I ended up coordinating sort of like a music supervisor, the on set music and I formed a trio and we got behind all of that and it was connected to the orchestra score. And once I was on board as an actor, um, I had a great time watching it. It was fun. <laughs> we've heard that a lot. As and, we've we got to do, and you know, we got to do uh, that little scene where you sang, I'd rather be a wanderer, one of the great, great cinema songs of all time. Thank you, Ed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, um, I don't know if you remember, that was so funny because, yeah, I wasn't supposed to talk in the film. I mean, I, I, I played music and Ed and I became just sort of fast friends from the start. We were good friends. And I think you said, but who knows in terms of memory, who knows? I think you said, or one of us said, you said, maybe we, sh- we should do a scene together. And um, we both agreed, whoever, whoever said it, we went, yeah, let's do a scene together. And then we went to George, you know, the way we were, I said, hey, man, we want to do a scene in the movie. And we were halfway through the shoot already, right? And George looked at us and he said, actually, man, that's, a, that's not a bad idea. I have some new information that I'd like to uh, have as part of the film. And um, so I think that night, George, did George write that scene at, that night? Or, um, I don't yeah. know. It was a little bit ad hoc, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you were always planned to sing that song in the film? Yes, I I think so. I know. I don't even know if that's the case. I'm not sure. I don't really know because I'd really rain, wasn't it raining that day too. I think and when I sang the song, yes, they came equipped yeah, yeah. to uh, make it rain and pour, and it was completely uh, thunderstorming and raining. Yeah, and, I, and it was quite that's an cool, extraordinary man. event. I remember Rich, Richard Richie Rev looking right at me as I sang it. I mean, I stared at him the whole time, uh, but it was pretty magical. And after it was done. Mike Gornick sent me the live recording and it had these birds singing it in the two junctures, very appropriate and poetic junctures. And I was like, hey, man, that's cool. You stuck these birds in. That's great. Mike said, no, man, I didn't stick them in. They were just in the tree somewhere. So <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And Donald, talk a little bit about the, the origin of that song, because that you wrote that well before. Night Riders, correct? Yeah, I wrote it when I was 21. I, I had left St. Louis where I had been in, in, in college, music school at the time. And I guess I graduated and I was on my way to Boston so to, to begin my life. And I got to my parents' house on Long Island and just didn't want to sleep in my bedroom. And I, I, uh, I spent the night on the stairs 
be frank, I decided to write a great song. I, I haven't, that's the truth of it. It's what motivated me. I just sat on those stairs, decided, thought to myself, what are the three greatest songs I know? And then I set out to write one as best I could to match it. That's what I did. And I sat there all night and I left the next morning. I never, they never got off those stairs. I, must have I thought you wrote it for the movie, man. No, man, I wrote it. I wrote it in that exact situation and I'd play it. And then um, when it came up, I guess I played it for George and he said, great, man. I, I don't remember what juncture it was. If it was, it must have been before our scene because he incorporated it into the scene. So he knew of the song because I, I played it for him and he wanted to use it. I knew that. Yeah, well, it just fits the film so well, you know. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a great scene. It's kind of a law, but it's it's got a lot of heart it really just it, it it showcases you Ed as 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 Billy and and the relationship he has with with everybody there and he just wants so much to continue to go on and I think it's it's just it's one of my favorite parts of the film because it's there's not a lot going on but it's just two guys who are living together traveling making a living um, and the song just accompanies it and I you know went back and watched Night Riders a few times you know for these shows and. And it, it keeps sticking with me. And I, I, it's one of those I like more and more every time I watch it. It is. It's like a nice little time out, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. with everything that's going on. And, and you play it so well because you're, you're not saying a lot. You're not doing a lot. But the, the facial expressions, you're really emoting so much without saying anything. The, the nonverbal communication you have with, with Donald and, and through the camera to the audience, it, it speaks to, to what the film is about. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched the film in a long time. I got, I got to check it out again. <laughs> I don't think my, I don't know if my daughter's seen it. I think she has. I'll tell you, man, something that happened. I don't know if Ed remembers this, but I really was, I, Ed was the only, I, only person that I actually watched with, uh, I watched him. He was fun to watch act. It was more like a theater event. You never knew what he was going to do. It was just really fun to watch him. I knew nothing about acting as in zero. And, um, but when it, when I had to do that shoot and then they, my point of view came up and they were shooting me, I was just doing what I thought Ed did. I sat there and I waited for the moment to strike me. So, and I would do something kind of didn't come for quite a long time. And then one of the few times I've seen George ever pissed, he ran up and he said, you can't do that, man. You got to just speak. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like waiting for the lightning. And, and that was so funny. He was all, they ran out of film. That's what happened. They ran out of film. <laughs> for me to like <laughs> yeah that was funny <laughs> um, in, in doing these interviews this month we've heard a lot about the production troubles uh early on where the sets got destroyed there was a lot of downtime at the ramada and it seems like a lot of um uh relationship good positive relationships were built amongst the cast and crew during that downtime was that your experience uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember everybody getting along pretty well. I mean, the film was so divided in terms of camps, in terms of, you know, Billy's guys and then Tom Savini's guys. But <clears throat> as a bunch of actors and, <clears throat> excuse me, working on this thing together, everybody got along pretty well. I mean, you know, yeah, I got, I mean, Donald and I became really good friends. And then, you know, Lottie, Gary Lottie, you know, we spent some time with Gary and I don't know, Randy Kovitz, you know, and, you know, everybody was was cool you know i don't ever remember it wasn't any big hootenannies or anything you know but uh everybody <laughs> got along 
Well, I mean, there was a pool at the Ramada. I remember there was a pool. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really done too much swimming up to that point, but I actually kind of taught myself how to swim pretty well during that time. I remember doing laps in the Ramada in pool. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the running themes of, of our shows this month has been, like Eric said, you know, the downtime at the Ramada and the building of the friendships and relationships. But there were a lot of shenanigans happening in the Ramada with with some of the cast and crew. What, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of shenanigans I'm not going to say a word about because it's nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have lots, a lot of stories about moving furniture out into the, the vestibules and, and all that stuff. But, you know, it, it just seemed that that was a very good time to to form friendships and, and, and whatnot. And we think that carried over into the film. Yeah, definitely. Don't you mm -hmm. think, Donnie? Absolutely, yes. I'm still friends with Gary Laddie as well great guy and um yeah definitely did carry over our relationship certainly did obviously and uh, you know but i was pretty much focused on what i was doing so but i mean george you know george you just you're doing everybody's doing it for george in a way you know and so there's a common there's a common there's a unit there's a united front and everybody knows that and if you're if you're not if you're being a jerk or an asshole of some kind you're just not gonna fit in so Mm -hmm. But he was pretty cool, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we had uh, Marty Schiff on a couple or last weekend, and he mentioned uh, that you would you would hold like after hours night meetings, just kind of like social gatherings. Uh, can you, yeah, it was, it's kind of like that's right. Yeah, could, do you recall that at all? Or not particularly. But it didn't surprise me. I mean, you know, I was pretty gung ho, but. I'm sure there were probably beer, a little few beers involved in those meetings. I don't really know. I, 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 I got to talk to Marty about that because I don't really remember doing that. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, we were intrigued by that. But it was purely social. I, I was kind of envisioning something more serious along the lines of something of a scene of Night Riders. But <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Maybe. I, we didn't have any, you know, round table that we sat around and discussed you know, plans. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, we did, you know, the, the, the sides did hang out together in a way, you know, so I, I we probably did spend some time talking about some things, but it's probably just trying to zero in on doing the best job we could do the next day or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit, Ed, about prepping for the role, whether it's with the, the motorcycles or any of the fighting? What what kind of, you know, prep did you get into? Well, you know, Matt, it was a long time ago, so <laughs> I think I just, well, first of all, I, I, you know, I got on a motorcycle. I tried to at least, you know, ride a little bit before we started shooting. I don't remember whose bike I was using because I didn't have one, but uh you know, it's more just thinking about the script and staying in shape and getting ready to go. I mean, the the best research in this instance was really just penetrating the material that George had laid out there. You know, mm -hmm. I probably reread uh, some Arthurian stuff. I might have reread Once in Future King. I'm not sure. Um, but but you know, I was yeah, I'd just been acting professionally for a few years and. Uh, so I was just all over it. I just ready to 
go. I mean, you know, I was very yeah. enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of on those same lines of preparation. I mean, you, you had some partial nudity. You had your shirt off a lot. Uh, you were in great shape. Did you did you have to get in shape for the role, or did you just you know? No, did you I just think I was in pretty good shape at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, you know, how old was I? I? Was thirty years old. I mean, you know, yeah, I was. I was feeling pretty good about things. I think. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, I do. I whip myself in the pond there, don't I? A little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right there at the front of the film. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Donald, I had a question about uh, when when you had uh, when did you work on this on the uh, score? When did you have it prepared? Were you was it already finalized by the time you guys were shooting, or was it something you worked on after your acting? Yeah, Eric, it was um, no, I had done nothing before during the course of the film since I was going to be acting on it. Um, George, my brother Richard, got me a, um, a electric piano, which I had in my room, and the idea was that I could, you know, be infused with the spirit and perhaps write some themes during the course of the shooting, which I did. I ended up writing a, a number of a few themes, and I um, would run it by George. And so, to that, I say that was the extent of it. I, I came up with maybe um, four themes that ended up being incorporated into the score, but I really went gung-ho into the score once we were done. I just went, you know, total dive in. And um, but other, and also I was dealing with the trio. Uh, and, and at one point, Randy Kovitz as a fourth joined us as well on the drums or hand drums or something like okay. that. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to prepare the uh, trio music, which was scattered throughout the film. There was three of us, um, Barrett, me, and Gallagher, myself. So that that took up a certain amount of time as well. Mm -hmm. the film. Did the main theme, Donald, did the main theme like, um, mm -hmm. was it something that you had to work towards off of, I mean, or did it just like, this is, it just kind of come out of you or, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure, man. I probably just came through me and I wrote it down. I might've, I think, as I recollect, like I said, it's a long time ago, as I recollect, yeah, it probably just came through and I wrote it down. I remember there was some part of it that I was working on for a while, the way it might edit a script. There's just a few words or a few notes that weren't quite gelling, and I, I had to, you know, get put place those in shape. So there was some work that was done on it, but the actual theme itself, the majority of it probably, you know, burst through and I wrote it down. Where'd you record it? We recorded the theme in... Um, well, the trio music we recorded at Jerry Studios because it was just a trio north of Pittsburgh, Don Garvin right. Studio. And then the main once I wrote all the orchestral music, which as I just didn't have the left, and I just started composing like day and night. That's all I did. So that was recorded at Media Sound because it was a 44-piece orchestra or something like that, 48. And um, so that was recorded in New York City. Uh, yeah, once I got it done. Yeah, tremendous amount of work, but we, we made it, yeah. Do you still play with that trio of musicians at all? Or do you keep in touch with them? Uh, no, I no. That was just really an onset thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think about Ian Gallagher once in a while. I wonder how he is. And um, Randy Kovitz and I just got back in touch on Facebook and 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 exchanged some emails. So that was real nice. Um, yeah, I still uh, a little known fact about the film is for jazz fans that Bill Frizzell is doing the guitar solos on on that um, on that um, score. And him, I you know, I talked to the other day. So it was, you know, as much as we talk, it's more like mumble, but we talked the other day to some extent. We even though we're still very close friends. And so Bill, uh, many people don't know this, he, he I hired him particularly 
and he was unknown. Many people may not know him. He's pretty much, I say, a jazz luminary, you'd say, right? So um, at this juncture, and but I hired him and because uh, I wanted a sound, and he 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 played great. I remember after no one knew him in the studio. These were you know top studio musicians were in that you know very well known, wonderful. And uh, Bill did it, one of his solos on top of everything, and they actually gave him an ovation after he was done in, in the studio. I'm fine. Yeah, that was, good story. Yeah, that, was very, that was very cool, and um, that was nice. So, yeah. Did Bill play electric guitar solos? It's like when uh, some yeah, of the stuff, played, like when Billy is falling and that that stuff. Yeah, uh, that's that's Bill playing those solos. Very very, very cool. Um, yeah. My son is holding up a thing. This was our plan because me and him here. Popcorn, yes. You're knock yourself out. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, what was I saying? I don't know what I was saying about uh, the guitar solos. Oh, yes, and, that's yeah. Bill. Some of the people. Have, yes, that's Bill's very signature sound. Even then. Very cool. Yeah. I just assumed that was you. That's cool. No, it's totally mm -hmm. Fizzell. Great, mm -hmm. great, one of the great, you know, great artists in the musical world of our time. And he's. Um, we went on and did a bunch of things together. But we were playing a lot back then. We had a band and the like. So made sense. Um, and Donald, you were also instrumental. Uh, you'd worked with. Uh, uh, with Brother Blue before. So you were his connection to arriving on Night Riders. Talk about that a little bit. Well, I remember that. I remember sitting in that office, as talking about, you walk up the stairs, get to that office, and whatever reason I was there in Pittsburgh, and everyone was kind of walking around, what are we going to do about Merlin? What are we going to do about Merlin? And then I just spoke up and said, hey, man, uh, to George, is this guy I know, Brother Blue, that I work with? I think he'd be great for Merlin. And it turned out, this is what was also amazing about it. You probably don't know this, Ed, but Blue lived in, oh, I can't say that word. Blue lived in Pittsburgh, right, at one point. I don't know if you knew that. George, George knew the guy. He says, that sounds like this guy that had this children's show on, PB, on the public network at some point. I love it. That's the total truth. And then I said, he, he told me about the guy. I said, that sure sounds like Blue. It's as inimitable as Blue is. It's hard to imagine anyone else doing Blue. Yeah. And he, <laughs> you know that was it Double so G, Double yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally and so yeah blue had joined me he had commissioned i had this commission for someone from the boston symphony and that night when it premiered in 76 blue was at the concert for some reason and after the um concert there's a party and so i met blue and then the next day i went to get a cup of coffee at a, at a coffee shop and Blue walked in. I said, what are you doing? He says, I'm doing this NPR show, National Public Radio Show. I said, cool. With Peter Gordon, who's a French horn player from the BSO, they were supposed to meet there. Peter was going to accompany him. Peter had commissioned me. Peter didn't show up. All of a sudden, the phone rings in the coffee shop. Someone threw sand in his car, gas tank or something. <laughs> then Blue turned to me and said, hey, man, do you want to do this with me? I said, sure. I had my guitar and my harmonica. We went right into the NPR studio and recorded this thing, the greatest blues singer that ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> that started our relationship. And I so love Blue because Blue would walk around while we were shooting. He goes, this, this, this is going to be the greatest film ever made. This is the greatest <laughs> film, the greatest film ever. You know, he just constant support, <laughs> which was very helpful. And for, for years after, too, he... Yes, exactly. So um, George actually then just right away said, let's fly him out and got got on the phone and whatever. And my brother, perhaps, and they got George out there. I mean, they got Blue to come out and he hired him. So it went. Top of the, uh... 
I, I, can you talk a little bit more about your relationship with Brother Blue? Because you guys do share a lot of a lot of scenes and a lot of good good heart from the movie come from the two of you. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I forget what was what was Blue's wife's name. Ruth. Ruth, Ruth. of course. Ruth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Ruth's still around or not. Uh, you know, and she was always there with him, and you know, there was a lot of always a lot of downtime during during the shoot. So. Yeah, just hanging loose, just kind of talking, just enjoying his presence, you know, and 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 his relationship with his woman, and yeah, we. I mean, we kind of. I think we connected a little bit after that, but I don't know if I ever saw him again after after the film, after the film shooting. Yeah, so, huh? I don't think I did. Hmm. I remember writing some letters. You know, we wrote some letters. But, mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, Tom Savini has a question. Uh, he, wa- <laughs> he wants us, hey, to, Yo, wants us to ask you about changing the marquee at the Ramada. We uh, apparently had a few uh, pictures uh, that we were able to share in the last show that Tom and uh, Tasso and Marty were on. Apparently, there were some hijinks where they changed the uh, marquee at the Ramada, uh, describing the buffet and among other things. <laughs> <laughs> What was the change? I don't remember, man. What was the change, too? Oh, man. Uh, I'm dying. I'm dying on air. Say it on the air. <laughs> yeah, it was whatever they could make out of the letters, they would change on like a Sunday night. Yeah. And it would they would quickly get up there and get down. But they had they had said to, to ask you about it. And Tom wanted to make sure we uh, see if we could jog your memory on if you had taken part in any of those. I hope I had. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we when we do these interviews, a lot there of folks. Was, yeah. um, I mean, oh, there was ahead. a lot of some shenanigans going on. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was nineteen eighty, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks uh, involved with the film they they speak of glowing experiences, you know, relationships, bonding. Um, uh, some of the folks in the crew, they're more focused on the, you know, how awful the conditions were, the mosquitoes, the heat. I mean, where where, where do you guys fall on that? Somewhere in the middle one or one side or the other? I don't remember the mosquito. I mean, now that you're mentioning it, you know, yeah, I guess sometimes it was a bit, weather was a bit oppressive, but um, I just remember doing i just remember the experience of of the people and doing it you know um and it was yeah you know i mean billy was this supposed to be this kind of straight-laced guy following all the rules and doing everything right but and that and billy was that but i wasn't billy all the time mm-hmm. when i wasn't working mm-hmm I was Mr. Harris doing whatever he felt he needed to do with that time <laughs> in <of> life. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's very well documented that George is a very was a very collaborative filmmaker and would take input from cast and crew if they felt that they could enhance his vision. Do you guys have any recollection of of going to? to George and saying, Hey, I think we should try this, or I, can I try something this way? And, and he let you do it. And any of those outcomes? 
you know, I remember being having a very open, creative relationship with him. If I watched, the, I should have watched the film again before you talking to y'all. But I don't recall any specific, you know, scenes or anything where I was making suggestions. But I know that we did. I know I would talk to him about things and corner him and ask him about certain scenes or what he really felt was going on in this particular scene or. You know, do you think Billy is this or that? Blah blah boom. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love directors who have, first of all, have a vision, and two, are willing to share it with you, and to <clears throat> and help you do whatever you need to do to enhance their vision and to fulfill it. You know, and so George was very open with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Ed, with you being uh, the starring. In the starring role, did you feel additional pressure or the weight of uh, carrying the film? No, I wasn't really thinking in those terms. I just, I mean, I really was just trying to pl- play this guy as well as I could, you know. I remember, I, I remember I got, had some thing up in, it was like a Kirk Douglas Award or something up in Santa Barbara a number of years ago, and they showed a bunch of clips, and one of them was from, uh, you know, when, when Billy's going, you cannot have a council meeting without a da-da-da, whatever. And I do, he just keeps going. And it, I was, it was a little embarrassed, to tell you the truth. But that's where I was at. It was like, you know, very intense. Like, this is Billy. He's got to, you know, things got to go right. So, mm-hmm. but you know what scene I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like, calm down a little bit, buddy. You know, <laughs> those seems are pretty memorable. You know, when you go off they're they're, they're cool. Out of context, especially it was a little strange. That, that could be, right. could be right. I don't know. Yeah. They were definitely, they were definitely a firearm in the film. The few times you went off there actually was terrific. I think it, you captured the film with those moments in particular, you know, you just boom. You lent it a um, trajectory, an immediate trajectory, in its whole context. That was pretty cool. That's what I thought, Edward. Ed, that's what I thought. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. You know, Ed, this is, I don't know if you remember this. This is totally, yeah, this is one of the first times we met. We Everyone had to go somewhere, so we went together. We want to go together, sure, didn't know each other. We got in my car. I'm sure you don't remember this. We were driving in my car somewhere, and you said to me, this reminds me of my car. <laughs> and um, my car was pretty funky, you know, and I had two of the windows missing in the back and I driven it out from New York and it's pretty out there. And we got back to the parking lot and you said, there's my car. <laughs> and I went over to the, your car and yeah, man. Yeah, I had, you had um, two pairs of underwear attached to the, remember that windshield wiper? Yeah, yeah, old Volvo, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Old two, two. That's right, yeah. That's a great old car. That was a great didn't car. Didn't have any felt or anything. It was just metal up there. And then, and for a long time, I didn't have a passenger seat. I just had a chair there. A chair. I know. <laughs> you found the car, and there was a wood chair sitting there to sit on. There was no seatbelt law at the time. So I said, yeah, this. so the cars really did have some um, <laughs> some connection. And then we started playing tennis, too. Weren't we playing tennis? Yeah, we were playing tennis, I think. When your folks uh, we started playing a little bit, or bowling or something. We, something we like both- that. We were both fairly competitive, I know. Very, com- yeah, competitive. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we might even George too underneath, man. 
I heard about this, you know, whatever it's called in television football game. I beat him out in 82. I heard about them <laughs> for 40 years, man. So, yeah, George had that going underneath it all. <laughs> when was the last time, last time you saw George? Last time I saw George was up in Toronto. But it was a long time ago, you know, quite a while ago. Same here, man. I visited him and Sue's. Uh, yeah, we had dinner and stuff. It was nice. Yeah, sometime back in 2007. Eight, you know, George wrote so many good scripts that were never produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember reading several of them. He was, you know, man, yes. I know he got tremendously frustrated with the business, but I'm sure glad he did what he did. Mm-hmm. That's very nicely said. He did. He gave me two amazing scripts that never got, uh, well, the treatment tells from Hoffman never got put into a. I forget. I think he made a football script. I forget, but that never got produced. Then there was that crazy cowboy movie. And I don't know if you remember that. Well, you I mean, I there was a bunch of things. I mean, yeah, Chris probably still has them or whatever. Yeah, man. So one night we were at John Harrison's for some kind of party that John had in the '90s. And you were there, and I was there, and George was there, and George had already given me this idea. And there was a lead character, and we all went out to the car for some reason, and we're sitting in the car, at least me and George, and. I was talking about, we were talking about the script, and I said, well, the lead character is like kind of a dwarf dude, you know, he was, uh, you know, had guns and everything. And you said, I can play that. And you jumped out of the car and gave us a little bit of an idea about how that might go. And I remember that, that was pretty wonderful. You actually were great. That would have been awesome. I'm glad I have friends who remind me of a lot of my life, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I, understand, I understand completely, yeah. That's just something that stuck with me, man, because I, I yeah, that was a great script that was out there. Yeah. We've had a, a few questions come in uh, from, from folks that are watching, uh, asking about uh, if you guys have any memories of Stephen and Tabitha King visiting the set. I do indeed. I remember he's sitting in that chair eating that hot dog and slobbering all of himself and being a loud mouth. And <laughs> yeah, he was excellent in that role. <laughs> it's funny. I'm just reading a Stephen. I'm reading one of those, you know, uh, uh, books he's been writing lately, you know, uh, the kind of mystery, like the paperback kind of things. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of one called later it's called mm. l-a-t-e-r pretty good mm. yeah he's had quite a career but he, he was having quite a career at that point mm-hmm. um and, and in doing a lot of these interviews we've also uh, a lot of folks mentioned there was it's a pretty emotional experience filming the coronation scene is that your memory of that uh when whenever uh, you passed the crown to Morgan. Yeah, the whole thing was emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I don't remember where, where when does Donald's when does the song come in, you know, the wanderer song. I mean we are seeing or do you mean that, that's not too long before that the end of it, right? It's near the end of the film, isn't it? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, it comes in subsequent to that, right? 
when I actually play it in full, you mean? Yeah, subsequent to that. Yeah, at the end of the like on the end of the wagon or something, right? Aren't you sitting on a? Isn't it the end of like a chuck wagon or something? Or am I that's Maybe it's kind of sitting on the stoop, stoop of like a trailer. Yeah, like a uh, it's, in front, it's in front of the throne. Yeah, I think we're sitting on the yeah in front of the thing. Right. That was funny, man. I didn't know anything. I would, I didn't know anything about acting. It's just um, well, that was a that was. I remember that being very emotional. At least it it, it remains emotional when I hear that song. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I remember riding my bike. I remember riding the bike when it, when he's supposed to, right before he gets killed. I remember the doing that, you know. I remember, I remember that's most. Great, of that's the, a great scene, yeah. Before the truck smashes into bits. Yeah. I remember George when you know I was in the um, walking into the um, editing room sometimes, hassling George, and uh, he happened to be looking at one point at a clip of you it, it takes you had done that day i guess and uh, he was so taken with your physical ability in that particular scene it was one where you'd gotten knocked down somehow or maybe you're fighting but then you had to stand up but you did it with such bond the way and you slow motioned it for me just he was really taken with your he was very with your physical ability to do that to the way you uh you know, moved as you fell down and came up again. I remember him showing me that a couple of times, you know, going back saying, look at this, this is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that scene. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, you do a lot of, you know, you do a lot of explosive scenes, like you were talking about that council scene when you're um, in the jail cell next to to Steve while he's getting beat, and then you play a lot of, Nonverbal scenes. Did you have a preference for one, or did you did you enjoy one over the other, where you were super expressive or non-vocal? I just enjoy doing. I I just enjoy doing what I do, you know. And if it's characters got a lot of levels, or you get to see him go through a lot of different things, I mean, the more colors you get to show, kind of the more fun it is, I guess. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but I I I yeah, I enjoy, I I just enjoy acting you know yeah. if it's a good project so i yeah. i don't really have a preference in terms of whether i'm character speaking or not or mm-hmm. you know i mean I, I i like i like to tell the story with as little words as possible you know mm-hmm. so the whole physical the way somebody is in a room the way somebody moves the way somebody walks somebody somebody picks up a glass whatever it is i mean you know a lot of times in film you don't see anything other than what we're seeing right now you know, it's, I remember George. One thing about Night Riders is there's a lot of shots of, of of these people. There's a lot of bodies. You see a lot of bodies. You see a lot of full-bodied people in that film. There's a lot of shots that are not super close. You know, you really get you feel the environment. You get the relationship of these people, and I appreciate that. I like that. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. As you were talking, I had this visual of George, and I realized this is something I hadn't realized before, that as he walked around, this is my opinion, but as he walked around the set directing, you would receive something from him. He was also receiving something from you. I could see his arm movements and his the way he moved, somehow redirecting, ingesting, and then redirecting the energy he got from you, particularly acting, I'm sure from other actors as well, but there was something in his movement that mirrored everything that was going on. And I, I, I remember that now as you were speaking. It's a very esoteric thing to say, but it, I still see him doing that very, you know, 
connected to what you had done. Yeah, hmm. that's a beautiful thing that that kind of circular, you know, uh, creative, um, you know, carry on is ongoing on a live set. It's pretty cool. Um, Ed, can you talk about uh, your experiences working with with George, like in contrast to just other directors that you've experienced? Um, we well, you know, yeah, I mean, one of the things is. It, this I don't even know what the budget of Night Riders was, but it wasn't big, you know. And we were shooting outside Pittsburgh, and you know it was funky. I mean, and it was supposed to be. And George, you know, George is, is you know, it's kind of like you know he's just this big guy who's really smart really knows what he wants and like you're just with him he's like you know he, he's like he, he's like got the whole cast and crew like in his arms like this i mean that's what you feel in a way you know and so i forget what the question was but um just in contrast to working with other directors oh. you know yeah, I just think that his sense of community and his, you know, it's it's a little different. It's a little more, it feels a little more open, a little looser, a little, uh, and, and, and total openness to knowing he wants to know what you think, knowing that he really wants to hear if you have a thought. I mean, he's a true collaborator in a, certain, in a lot of ways, even though he's a very strong vision about what he wants to do. He's really open to changing things on the spot, or adding a line, taking one away, talking about it, relationships, whatever it might be. I mean, you know, it's it was fun. It, it really was a very fulfilling experience, you know, that way, creatively. And we kind of, to kind of build on that, you know, Mike Felsher had sent, has sent in a question, uh, you know, the end where Billy's on his final ride and, and right as, you know, he gets hit by the truck with, with that scene and, and just how you presented that, do you think, did George and you ever have any conversations about what Billy should be thinking? Is he looking to deliberately end his life or is it just that Billy's finally let go and he he's moving on? Did you guys have any conversations like that, that you recall? I don't recall specifically what was said, but I do recall talking about it. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? And it was more like what you're saying. He's finally just, he's just, he released it. You know, he's, he's giving it up. He's not giving up. He's giving it up. He's, mm -hmm. he's releasing it. Boom. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like unintentionally intention unintentionally intentional suicide or something you know what I mean? mm -hmm. did did he achieve a goal i was that's what was always my question really? did he yeah he tried his best i think he tried his best to make this thing work to make this dream work of these people living together in a communal way and actually being able to survive uh by doing these shows i think he felt he did his best i don't think he felt he was a success necessarily but i think he gave Billy Pelty gave it all he could, you know. One one thing uh, a lot of fans haven't really gotten a chance to talk about, Amy Ingersoll, can you talk about working with her? Because you, you play off opposite her a lot in the film, and, and fans yeah. have not really gotten a chance to really get to know her. 
I yeah, I mean, just remember Amy. You know, she. I don't. You know, there were a couple scenes I think where she's saying Billy. You know, she's kind of worried about him and stuff. But you know, I we. It, I don't. We didn't have that. We didn't. We were together a lot, like you know, sitting on the throne and that kind of thing. But the scenes I don't really call specifically the scenes we had together. I. I just I remember enjoying her presence and working with her, and you know, uh-huh. she looked. She thought she was an excellent queen, uh, but you know, uh, there were a lot of other things going on as well. So I don't. I mean, I just remember we had a good relationship, you know. Uh-huh. But the story didn't really, you know, that relationship and the story is not of prime importance. Uh-huh. If you know what I mean, yeah, it's important, yeah. but it's accepted that this is that they have a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it, it's not delved into, it's not penetrated uh, the way some other things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I recall, yeah, yeah, it's like it's already well established. They don't have to spend a lot of time building that relationship because you right. guys just played so well. You, there was history there, and I think you guys did a great right. job of that. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Donald, I know from uh, another interview I was listening to that you had a chance uh, to work on Dark Half with George later on. That didn't materialize, but you did end up working with him later on uh, on Bruiser. And, and I, I, it's kind of the same question for both of you. Was there uh, was there another chance maybe that you came close to working with George? Creep show, man. Other than creep show, I apologize. Yeah. yeah. That was it for me. Other than some thoughts, other than trying to get, you know, reading some of his scripts that I would would have loved to do that could never get together financially, you know. Mm-hmm. So there was ideas kicking around. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, George and I were in touch a fair amount, and so he did send me those scripts I talked to you about that I thought I was on. You know, the script about the cowboy movie. Mm-hmm. I remember writing this little guitar solo, which is on one of my records. It says a thought from a thought by George A. Romero. <laughs> that was um, because he must he called me up and just told me this idea, and I got off and I just played this guitar. And I remember. Before, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's fine. No, anyway. no. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Sorry, yes. I remember. I had a, a written a screenplay based on this Carl Hyacin, where he pronounced his oh, name, yes. Florida writer, called Native Tongue. And I sent it to George, and George actually helped me re- re- rewrite it. So we worked on that for a while. It's a hysterical story, but we couldn't, you know, nobody would give a shit about it. So we didn't know That's anymore. right. It was fantastic. And I talked to George about it, and you about it as well, I'm sure. But I remember talking to George about that. I guess maybe, I guess you gave it to me. That was a wonderful um, theme park down in Florida, right? Yeah, it was, it was like, kind yeah. of nightmare-esque in that. Only it was in- out there. Yeah. It was totally out there, and it had all this. It just had a, a sense of all this, um, this brightness and these bubbles of color, and just yeah, you know, like a carnival kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. it was fantastic. I wanted to do that so bad, man. I'm sorry we didn't get to do that. Yeah, I mean, George was always talking about Tales of Hoffman, as I, as he's talked about in his. Um, mm. And I've forgotten that that was your screenplay, though, man. That 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 Carl Hyacinth thing. I love that thing. Um, yeah, because Tales of Hoffman was something that's dear to his heart, and he he mm. had had this whole and he. And I remember, yeah, I we talked about that over the years, and um, yeah, it's too bad he didn't get to do. Do you know if George ever directed any theater anywhere? 
Interesting. I don't think so. I, d- I don't believe he ever did. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Director too, I think. Yeah. He, did, he did, you know, obviously worked in television commercials, but uh, right. yeah, right. a little bit of TV. But go ahead, Matt. No, no, I was going to say, I, I just want to take a minute here that um, Suze Romero is watching and she says, mm-hmm. thank you guys for coming on. Um, she's enjoying the anecdotes and, and the story. So I just wanted to take a minute to to tell everyone that Suze says hi and thank you. Thank hey, you, Suze. Right. Hi, Suze. <laughs> um, do you guys have any memories of the uh, opening screening? Uh, we've, we've heard some uh, reports that there was maybe some audio issues or just it was kind of all sorts of troubles but do you guys have any recollection of attending the premiere i i, I have to concur with ed uh the, the only thing was I it in pittsburgh i think it was, in was LA, it? right la 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 george wrote me a letter immediately following it a long letter was it uh, in the theater that one little theater on hollywood boulevard is that where the premiere was or was it a different screening I got a picture of standing on my buddy's shoulders under the marquee in Night Riders on the, you know, just little funky little theater on Hollywood Boulevard. And I, I was trying to find it, I couldn't find it. <laughs> Did you guys know uh, where the it was at, it, Marty Schiff just said it's at the Pacific on Sunset. Pacific. Okay, maybe that's the theater, and then that's where it played for a little while. Is that correct, Marty? That's where the premiere was. I'm not sure if it had an engagement afterwards. We'll oh, see yeah. if, if uh, Marty can remember. Yeah. I mean, it actually was in a theater there for a little while, a week or something. Mm-hmm. Can, can, can you guys talk about the first time you saw the completed film? We could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's, it's such a pro- yeah. Same here. I could as well, but it's such a long process, and I was so involved with it in terms of from the editing on into the scoring it at the end. And so it's so many times, and there are so many junctures at which so many things were going on that impacted the end of the film. That uh, yeah, it's um it's hard to. Uh, I mean, all you can do is respond to the to the. To the final cut but there was a lot that had gone on before that i remember you know feeling good about it i don't remember you know mm-hmm. it's that thing of even you know i even back then i kind of was aware you know nobody was really going to see it you know and in its initial run that it wasn't being i don't recall it being promoted or you know it was one of those things where it was out maybe for a weekend and then you know, it was in the history books. So I'm glad people have discovered it over the years and, you know, and, and enjoy it for what it is. Cause it's it kind of, it is kind of a classic, I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was gonna say this, I mean, we're celebrating it 40 years later. I mean, it's, 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 it's found a second life once it came out on DVD about 20 years ago. Um, but in the last, like I said, about 10 or 15, there's a lot of George fans who discovered it and it, it just kind of grabs them right away. Um, sure. and, and, oh, and, good. and they've yes. been really looking forward to these shows. Do you hear from a lot of these people, you guys? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of our, our, our friends that have, you know, we've known for, for decades that, you know, they, you know, when Night Riders comes up, they kind of change. They're like, oh yeah, I love Night Riders. Like it, it's, it's an emotional response 
um, because it's an emotional film. And yeah, it really uh, is. You know? Yeah, and well, that got me thinking. You know, if you, we talked about the premiere and stuff. Do you ever remember a time where Night Riders just kind of came up randomly that you weren't expecting, and it just kind of caught you off guard that someone was talking to you about Night Riders? Yeah, some people would say, you know, I love Night Riders. You know, once in a while, yeah, people just really dig it and appreciate yeah. it for what it is, you know. And and it's like it is a really heartfelt movie, you know. So if if you got a heart and it's open, most people kind of dig it, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, film it's so also kind of silly and goofy at times, but that's part of its charm, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's so odd. I mean, it's true of any work of art, and you, um, if you're so if you're very invested in it, which I was, which I know Ed was, and I know George was, uh, and everyone. It's um, yeah, it, it goes a certain place, but you never forget exactly the places you wanted it to turn left or right or or, or take other directions, and but what's interesting is that even though those things torture me at least for many years to come, once you get past all that, I think the film is gonna simply gain strength over time. Like, I, I believe that because it's so singular in its expression, the stars, the great Ed Harris, and it's, um, but there are times, because George and I were very close in that respect, so I mean, I drove him a bit crazy, you know, sort of a, like an avatar of art on his shoulder, but there are times like he had to really rush for the last cut. And it was even longer than film at one point. And for me, I think for him, it held together. I think he once said to me, this is the greatest work I've ever done. And I agreed with him completely. It was in the editing. And it was. But then you get this, everything the film's talking about, the merge of it must go to L.A., it must be done, it's too long, and all those things. And George had to constantly respond to those. And sometimes, from my perspective, not not with the best results, and I'm sure from his perspective as well. But is it, it is interesting, despite all the things you hold on to personally about something like that, if the work has this very true tenor, you know, the, it's like I said, I think the film is going to, is going to um, occupy a greater and greater place just simply by way of, despite the places where it might have ended up being a perfect film at three hours of, you know, Orwellian grandeur, what it ended up with. You know, there's always this great line from this guy, Bruce Coburn, a singer-songwriter that I always loved when I used to, was in Canada early on, Nova Scotia. And the, I never forgot the line was, they tried to build a new Jerusalem, but they ended up with New York, you know? Yeah. And so I always loved that line. And, uh, and when you walk around New York and you're amazed by the beauty at every corner, the magic so many things that sort of resonates with me. Yeah, so enough said, but yeah, I think that it'll hold its own over time because of yeah. that. Yeah, well, good friend of the show, Norman England, said he saw it in the theater 14 times in 1981. <laughs> That's that right. was half, half the revenue. Yeah. I was amazed because no one, well, it was partly my fault. This film didn't, didn't wasn't put out originally on a record because I'm, um, I didn't want to go to Australia and re-record it, conduct a big orchestra there. I was already on to other stuff, whatever. I turned down the record in my egocentric manner. I turned down the record offer, figuring there'd be more, and there never were. And then the film kind of drifted into obscurity. And it wasn't until around 1997 when all of a sudden, I think uh, my wife or someone said that there was a bid for the score on, on eBay at the time. And that's that kind of shocked me because that bid went up. I mean, it's for a cassette that went up to like you know, six, seven hundred dollars, and I was like, "Really? Who's who's paying that? <laughs> you know, who's doing that?" And it was um, 
just interesting. This first note I had that people had really, George and I had made a cassette since it never happened. We, we paid for it. We made a cassette at the time because uh, it hadn't been released. And uh, so, you know, was a, I, I was sort of surprised by that pleasantly, but sort of amazed. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. One thing we haven't really touched on is that, that the two of you have developed a lifelong friendship. I mean, how did how did that come about? And uh, talk about that a little bit. I don't know. We just like <laughs> each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we've done, you know, there have been times when we haven't spoken for a while just because of life or whatever. But we've really been in touch pretty consistently over the years, you know, mm -hmm. spent time together. Yeah. 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 It's just like, you know, someone that you trust, someone that you admire, someone that you love, you know, and you try to stay in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And Ed, since, it, you know, Night Riders was earlier in your career, what takeaways did you take? What did you get after working with Night Riders? Is there anything that you learned at night riders that you've continued through your career oh yeah i'm sure there is you know i learned something every time i work so I, I i i don't know if i could tell you specifically you know i mean after a while you you yeah it was just part of the growing up period as an actor just a part of learning you know i mean i i don't think it was anything immediately after we went oh god you know boy i learned that um that i recall but it just it's uh -huh. also like osmosis you know every time you do something it, it's it was in you and so you know it's hard to like, kind of articulate and identify yeah. specific yeah. lessons yeah. or things that you've learned you know? yeah what about you donald i know this was you know about your third collaboration with george any any takeaways that you know stick to you with from night riders itself I'm sorry, could you reiterate the question? Because I was distracted by my son. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing the popcorn. Um, on, he wants a pop. He's onto a popsicle now. He wants <laughs> Any yeah. takeaways from, from working with George on Night Riders that has kind of stuck with you over the years? Uh, honestly, there's a beautiful film that we were both invested in its, in its magnificence that there's something that we were, that was the on the bond that we're something together, you know, post the um, actual shoot. Just that we were aligned in our attempt to create something wonderful, or something that mattered. That's really, in terms of the film, what what you know is the greatest handshake between guys. I can I I, I recollect. There's just always there is that. Mm -hmm. That motion, that desire, that hunger, the whole thing, and that obligation, and everything that goes on. Yeah. I stopped the show right there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to say, Donald, is uh, in preparing for this, I was listening to an interview where you you mentioned attempting to personify the lines of George's vision, and I. I think that perfectly describes what you've done. You you nailed it so well with that score. Uh, just mm -hmm. the the competing themes that that come together and join. I mean, there's just so much. You you really did such a, an amazing job on that score. Thank. I mean, it's amazing, Donald. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's a lovely thing to hear, man. It's lovely to hear. And even as you said that, and this isn't any BS 
I think of George because what I'm doing is reflecting the river of lines that he sends through me. And really that's what's, what was going on. And it's a great privilege. It's a great, you know, it's an, it's a, an obligation and an honor and all that. And uh, yeah, that's what comes to mind. But thank, th I, thank you. That's where it all comes from, really. It comes from the director, it comes from him. And um, it's an extraordinary thing to see. And like, I thought Ed uh, encapsulized uh, George's presence on the set beautifully it was a very particular and um just the way he i couldn't say it any better than he did and i know ed as a director has all that going on too in his own way you know so many things that are coming through him and people tapping on your shoulders but yeah so um thank you i, I so much appreciate hearing that it's lovely to hear thanks appreciate it thank you well, um, before we get out of here, I, I do want to ask both of you if you want to take a moment and let us know uh, what you're working on now. Well, I'm going to head up. I've got the, bought the rights to a book called The Plowmen by Kim Zupan, Montana writer, about five years ago, which I adapted in a screenplay. Uh, Robert Duvall, Garrett Hedlund, my wife Amy, my daughter Lily. And I've been trying to get it going now for about four years. Thought we were going to shoot it last spring, fell through. Thought we were going to shoot it this spring, money fell through. But we do have a grant from Montana, so we're going up there, you know, to make for the film a small grant. But we're going up there and shooting, uh, like for a week, <clears throat> some scenes to see if we can't make something really cool and make one, some other people want to put some money into this and finance the goddamn thing. <laughs> really cool story you know it's it's it could be it, it's gonna one day be a wonderful movie great film but truly i think it's really neat it's dark but it's you know it's just a question of ponying up the bucks you know mm -hmm. so we'll see and i got to do westworld starts mid-june so i'll be doing westworld until the end of the year so that's why i would we ran out of time this spring, but hopefully next year we'll get it going. I mean, Bobby, you know, the balls, he's, he's 90 years old, so <laughs> we're trying to make it soon. But he's hanging in there. He's doing good. Good. Donald, what about you? What are you working on? Um, a few things. I'm finishing um, a record with uh, Bob Moses, Rockalon Bob Moses, a duet record. He's a, a drummer, a jazz drummer. I'm sure people know. If they listen to that um, music and uh, uh, finishing editing a set of uh, radio shows that I made, uh, writing them for release for them mid back in 2000. They were commissions, they were very odd radio shows uh, that I created. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm always working. I have that and I have, then I have another recording. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm doing that. And I, I did read Ed's script and it's uh, it's it's singular. It's, it's quite uh, searingly seared is that is something that makes sense it's a very poetic uh incredible uh rendering of the book which i hadn't read but in and of itself it's quite strikingly uh i can't speak to austerely beautiful something in there and with a lot of depth or something in any event yeah so that's um beyond that so i hope it gets his gets gets to do it it's a really a great project it's an artistic venture yeah and you're also you know you have a son that's part of it you know yeah man i have a son this yeah, is all dad. 
being from working so hard. I, I mean, that's a great dad. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a son to my. That's right. I'm a father to my brilliant son. Is a lot smarter than me already. So, uh, yeah, um, that's something that has, has occupied my time. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, his vision is my vision, as they say, or well, as I say. In any event, thank you, Ed, for noting about my beautiful son. Well, guys, I mean, final thoughts. You know, like word association. What comes to mind when you hear night riders? after 40 years. I think of Donald's song, to tell you the truth. Oh, yeah. I, the yeah. first thing that comes to mind is the Wanderer song, you know. Mm. Um, and then images of George and stuff, you know. But first thing would be the song. Mm. That's very nice. Now I can't think of anything. What uh, I would, um, if I think about it. And Tom, I think of Tom Savini, you know. Yeah, Tom's great. He's such a presence and he's, a, you know, really cool guy. And we didn't get to know each other great, but I had a lot of respect for him. And it was, you know, he stands out. Think, yeah, man. I think of Tom, the blossoming of George's vision. That's what just comes to mind. Just that may it blossom. And uh, for many in many ways, not only for the movie itself, but in terms of what it represents in my life and in others, I uh, may it be free to fly uh, <laughs> beyond the movie, eh? Just that endeavor yeah. that we seek, that at least some, at least I seek. I don't know. Many, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but that that comes to mind. May it continue to blossom and unfurl in its majesty. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, I could just hear you guys talk about that. It just, mm -hmm. you know, brings back memories of, of knowing George and seeing him work and and everything. So I could have just sat there and listened to that reflection for the rest of the night. That was just eloquent Excellent. and perfect. Yep. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Ed. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, guys, for, you, for guys. sharing time with us, talking about 40 years of night riders. Let's let's uh let's gather up in a couple of years, do it again. What do you say? Sure. <laughs> Let me yeah. know. It was yeah. great. Thank you for the opportunity. No, yeah, guys. Seriously, it's been an honor. Thank you, gentlemen, so very much for, for your stories and your memories about George and, and, and Night Riders. Uh the fans are loving it. A lot, lot of folks talking about watching Night Riders on TV and and taping it to cassettes for the song and, and just listening to it. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 been around a lot longer than people you know give it credit for it's it it's it, it resonates and it, it has since day one and you know you know thank you guys and thank george you know for for everything you guys did for for night riders all right all right all right guys. you george uh, yeah thanks guys all right thank you guys thank you, all right man all right thank all you right. Donald. thank you, you soon take yeah. care all right. All right. Bye, -bye. Bye, bye 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 whoa oh, amazing man. that was mm. i mean unbelievable that just happened. yeah <laughs> yeah just sitting here kind of reflecting on that that's i i mean i remember discovering night riders like 20 years ago and and already mm -hmm. being a fan of of ed and 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 donald's music i think you know donald's music was something i knew before i knew who donald was right um, um, and it was it was great to reconnect with Donald because he was our first 
interview back on the WGON days. Mm -hmm. About and, three and a half years ago. Yeah. And, uh, that was actually, I didn't, you know, a little bit of kayfabe, but I didn't let on that that was the interview that I was referring to. But yeah, and yeah. listening listening back to the interview we, we did with Donald, I mean, there was a lot of good stuff there that we followed up on. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, because we did a full-on career retrospective, so it was nice mm -hmm. to come on and just kind of deep dive into Night Riders by itself. Yeah, I mean, just, just mm -hmm. the story of how they got that scene with them two together um that just kind of seemed to come organically and it kind of gave some exposition that donald had said in that original interview I, I the more i've watched night riders for these shows that that scene really tends to stick out because a mm -hmm. lot of folks focus on the beginning and the end and there's a lot in the middle right there with like that scene that has a lot of heart mm -hmm. and i and, and right. like i said to ed it was just just his his performance non-verbal he's thinking the character billy is thinking um and donald kind of like you know the character that donald's playing he's kind of getting it he's like nah man i get it. you know and it's well, that's something we didn't uh something we went into a little bit in our older interview a little bit more than we did this time was that you know how uh donald mentioned that he let the film run out it's because if you look at uh the the opposite shot where ed is acting towards towards donald mm -hmm. there's several pregnant pauses in yeah. there where he's waiting to react until he feels it. And that's what Donald was yeah. trying to do, but he waited too damn long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great, man. That was it. Yeah. I love that story. And it's hard to imagine Knight Riders without I'd rather be a wanderer included. Yeah. How I just, yeah. And, wouldn't and, be the same movie. And, and watching that and he's like, I'll play it for you someday. And when you yeah, know man. what's coming and you realize it's, too late mm -hmm. you know and he's he's playing it at his funeral and it just man it kind of punches you in the gut a little bit before you're ready for it um yeah you know if you hadn't if you've seen the film and you go back and watch it again you're like oh you know what's coming mm -hmm. and it 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 lands very differently on on you and and you kind of like oh i know the next time i hear the song it's not going to be good right and i i do kind of appreciate like donald mentioned you can hear the uh you know, kind of the sounds of nature in the background of the recording. Mm -hmm. I, I I prefer it like that. That's the way I want to hear it. Uh, it's kind of yeah. like this the, this uh, signify that monkey. I, I I like the the cast recording of that. I don't want yeah. them to go to the studio and redo that. I yeah. like the the crackle of the fire. I mean, yep. um, yeah, that's no, good yeah. stuff. Uh, no, that that was amazing having them two on, and and they're they are really great friends, and we really didn't yeah you know, we didn't touch on that very much, but they've developed a lifelong relationship. No, and I mean I, I mean I think that's great. I mean you know to have those two guys be friends for forty years, and you know Ed was kind of like one of the new kids. He hadn't come in, you know, he hadn't done any George projects before, and and we always talk about Night Riders is a huge. Dawn and Martin reunion for for a lot of folks and and Ed just kind of slid right in and it's just you know that's the testament of of the community that George created again just like Ed said um, you know George was a welcoming figure you know he was tall and imposing but he was open he was gentle he was collaborative and and you didn't see that I don't I don't know if you see that a lot anymore and you don't hear a lot about that but for George that was kind of his his sticking point. Mm -hmm. was that he was you were part of the family if you were there you already there. you didn't have to prove yourself you didn't have to you know be in a number of films or or do anything special he he if he wanted you he saw something and he made you feel welcome from day one 
Well, speaking of something special, let's go ahead and talk oh. about some of that uh, 40th anniversary Night Riders merchandise that we oh. debuted a little bit last week, and we've oh. actually got a uh, got a link for you guys to check out if any of you guys are able to. And I think uh, uh, Ramona, Christian, are going to drop this in the uh, chat, but. Uh, I just pulled it up and it looks like there are items available for browsing and pre-ordering now. So please get over there as soon as you can. Yeah, yeah guys. Foundation. Wave one, shirts and apparel, you know, get to, you know, fighter yield, Night Riders logo t-shirts, uh, mugs, um, hoodies. Wave, hoodies, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. We we already have enough hoodies. We need more. This is Night Rider stuff, and and it's it's very funny how we're talking about Knight Rider swag and Knight Riders is about fighting the man and fighting the machine and, and, and sticking to your guns. But you know, there we're out there. We want Knight Riders gear. Look, look at that. I mean, do you see this stuff? I'm sorry. This is terrible. This is bad TV, but yeah, no, this is, uh, I tell you what, I mean, you can, you got a nice preview here, but if you just follow that link there, uh, yeah. Yeah, which yeah, I'm actually I mean, and, looking and this at is, now. And this is just wave one, guys. Wave mm -hmm. one of three. Wave two, yeah. um, posters, stickers, mugs, other printed material. But wave three, you're kind of want to want to wait for. Keep an yeah. eye out for that. Wave well, don't, three. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. But... Don't wait. Get, get each wave that you need. <laughs> but don't wait too long because these are limited. Absolutely. And you're going to want to get them as soon as possible. So the, the website is being updated now. Eric has the link down here, <laughs> over here. Click it, go. I mean, it's it's Knight Rider swag. This is the first time <laughs> anything Knight Riders has been created. That's right. And and, and it all goes to help the foundation too, guys. Um, right. You know, thank you for for Taurus Entertainment for for working with the foundation and getting this out there for the fans because it's listen listening to the fans. Fans want Night Rider stuff, so let's show them how much we love Night Riders. Um, it, you're not gonna wanna you're not gonna wanna miss it. All this stuff is pre order. It'll be limited, so don't wait. One second, I got one more banner to, cult, oh, to create oh, here. But yeah. wait, there's more. <laughs> Sorry, this one came in just under the wire. All right. This next link. All right, I want to announce that the Salem Horror Fest has announced a new partnership with the George A. Romero Foundation with the joint goal of supporting independent genre filmmakers in honor of the master of horror's work and legacy. The George A. Romero Film Fellowship will pair industry experts with emerging filmmakers to guide next steps in their career, whether it's seeking distribution, developing their skills or strategic planning to fund their next project. Participants uh, will be selected for the Salem Horror Fest from the 2021 feature film submissions and will be considered for a $1,000 jury award cash prize. Uh, eligible submissions must be received by July 31st, and the Salem Horror Festival will return for its fifth year on October 1st through October 11th. Uh, for more information, you can visit the link there. And I apologize, this came in late under the wire, but we're super excited about this. Yeah. This, is, this is an amazing collaboration. This yeah. is great. This is great news. I mean, the foundations, yeah, we're gaining momentum, guys. Thank mm -hmm. you. You know, we're, we're thanking you for the support because really, the, you know, we're fans your fans we want to give you everything you want and 
you know, George gave us so much, you know, he's built this community of, of friends and, you know, we're family and, and we want to help continue that legacy that George, you know, set with his films. So stuff like the Salem Horror Fest and the Night Riders merchandise, it, it's all full circle. It's, it's all integrated. So please um, check out SalemHorror.com and, and do what you can to support that share. Just, you know, click, click the share button on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Please get the word out. You never know what films you're going to see and what those folks are going to do in their career. And you can remember, I remember seeing them at, you know, Salem Horror Fest and in, in their early works. That's right. And before we get out of here, if you can believe it, our 40th anniversary Camelot Forever Night Riders celebration is not over. We have yet what? An, another episode coming this Wednesday. Oh, man, you're kidding me. And... Details are as follows. Let me get that banner off there. You go ahead, Matt. Talk to him. All right, guys. We have a bonus episode. First of all, we have Patty Tallman talking about her experience on Night Riders, along with Cynthia Adler, Rocky herself. Check it out, guys. We got Julie and Rocky. But <laughs> do not pass this by. We are going to present deleted scenes from the work prints of Knight Riders from our friends at the George A. Romero Archive at the, at the library because, guys, you're going to want to see this. Absolutely. Stuff that has never seen in 40 years, deleted scenes from the work print of Knight Riders. That's right. we got a handful of scenes coming up at the tail end of the show. We'll have Adam Hart uh, from Pittsburgh University, the uh, George A. Romero Archival Collection, uh, yes. to kind of talk about talk us through some of the scenes. And he was the one yes. that kind of uh, curated the, uh, yes. the work print and also yeah. edited the uh, clips for us. So yeah. we can't wait. Uh, these We've seen them. These scenes are, are amazing. You're going to want to be here April 28th, beginning yes. at 7 p.m. Yes. Awesome. So, I mean, we got April 28th, which is Wednesday, and then May 1st, our next show, we're doing effects. That's right. After effects. After effects. After effects. Effects and after effects. and after effects. I mean, <laughs> yeah. effect, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're keeping the ball going, guys. Look, we got Mike Felsher coming back on the show, good friend of the show, Mike Felsher, to talk about his retrospective documentary about effects called After Effects which will be actually coming out on, on Blu-ray DVD here pretty soon. But we have Dusty Nelson and John Harrison coming back. So in one week, you're going to come back here after you're done with Night Riders, and we're going to hop on some more Romero-related stuff with Mike Felsher, Dusty Nelson, and John Harrison to talk about effects. And I don't think you're going to miss that because having those three in the same room, I think is going to be quite interesting. Absolutely. And we've, we've got, uh, we've got other shows lined up and let me, I, I don't even, we've just revealed too much just now. Cause I don't, yeah. even wanna, I don't even want to talk about the yep, stacks no. June that we've oh, got going on. Oh, right? Guys, we're going to dangle that carrot June. Whew. What did I say? Yeah. I don't know. A stacked June. I'm just saying something yeah. celebrating a sweet 16 and I'll say no more. Yep, we're out. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, until this Wednesday, where we have our very our final uh, celebratory episode for the 40th of Night Riders. I am Eric, and I'm Matt, and we'll see you next time on the Garth Network. See ya.